The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker and indis are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, then every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, and then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is the word of the Lord. Brilliant. So a brief um, recap for people who uh, may have forgotten or may not have been here last week. Uh, we have uh, said that as a church, uh, we're taking this year as an opportunity to explore our core values, the things that matter most to us as a church, those kind of non-negotiables of what it means to be uh, a people who, together, as we learned last week, are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we said last week that that is our absolute top priority, to be a people who seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and that everything we do is flowing from that. 
And we said that over the next few weeks, we're going to be introducing a number of core and key values, but that we're very keen that this remains an open dialogue, that you feel that you can comment on some of those values. These are not set in stone. They're not sealed, uh, signed, sealed, and delivered, but something that we'll be exploring together. And just as a a pre-warning, really, it's going to take us, I think, probably certainly all of January, maybe some of February, to introduce all of those values to you. So it may be that you get to the end of this morning and you think, well, hang on, something's missing. Then we just say, bear with us. Uh, Over the next few weeks, hopefully uh, more will be revealed to you. We don't expect you to remember them all. We will put them all in a document um, at the end of this season and send it out to everybody so you have them. And that will always be a working document that we can add to, take away from, or adapt and change in any way. So that's where we are as a church, and this week we're moving to our verse for the year. Uh, Those of you who are new here, uh, every year we have a verse that we tend to pin everything for the rest of the year on, Uh, and here it is, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you, every one of you, uh, a member of it. Now this is a really important verse for us to hang everything on this year and before I share some of the values for today I want to kind of explain what's led to us having this verse. I've, I've learned it in a very practical way in the, first, uh, in the past few weeks, how much your body relies on certain parts and what happens when those parts aren't working and how the rest of the body has to compensate uh, for such a thing. We know the analogy of the body of Christ, I'm sure, fairly well. It's a very familiar passage to us. It makes perfect sense, I think, why Paul uses this as an analogy. So some of Paul's analogies are completely crazy to us and we don't necessarily understand them. Some of them are very cultural of the time, uh, talking about uh, armour when we don't really see people walking around with armour, for example. But the body of Christ is something we can all relate to. We can all understand what it means to be the body of Christ, can't we? That every one of us has an important role to play, has a part to play within the body of Christ. And so I thought it was an important thing for us to look at for this reason, But I first started the journey of thinking that this could be our verse for the year uh, during a bit of a crisis earlier in the year. You may remember that, uh, don't worry, not a self-crisis, I'm not explaining it, but um, you may remember earlier in the year, uh, there was a Sunday morning where I completely did my back in. And I woke up on a Sunday morning unable to move entirely. And I was very grateful for having a body of Christ that functions really well here and people stepping up into things and making it possible for service is to still uh, go ahead, even with a moment's notice at the drop of a hat, uh, to step in and step up. And I was really grateful. And it reminded me of something that I read uh, when I was training for the ministry. Uh, In a book that we're all recommended to read on the priesthood, Uh, if you're considering ministry, it's one of the books that you have to read. It's a non-negotiable. We all have to read it. And in that book, it said, the role of every vicar is to make themselves redundant. Now, at first, that seems really shocking, doesn't it? Because surely we're all called to be overseers and pastors and all those things. And we are. When you look at it scripturally, that is what we're called to be. But we're also not called to do everything for everybody. But actually, we are the body of Christ together. And every one of us is a member of it. And if the vicar was to do everything, then other people wouldn't have opportunities to use the gifts that God has called them to use. 
And there are things that I can do because I'm competent in them, but I shouldn't be doing because they're not necessarily my gifting or my calling or the primary thing that God has called me to do. Yesterday, I was at a service in Chichester Cathedral, uh, where Graham, along with others, were being uh, licensed for various different ministries uh, that they've been training in. And there was a point in the service where the clergy were invited to stand, and the bishop presented us with this question. Will you continue to develop and support the ministries of all God's chosen people in your parishes, seeking out their gifts and enabling their flourishing? I'll say that again. Will you continue to develop and support the ministries of all God's people in your parishes, seeking out their gifts and enabling their flourishing? That's the heart of this verse, that we are the body of Christ and every single one of us here has something to offer God. But I also came to a point of self-realization that really, actually, there are so many things I'm really not gifted in. Uh, that actually, if I tried to do them, they wouldn't succeed. To give two very practical examples, these wonderful building projects, which I am so excited about, and we're going to be updating you on those in the next uh, few weeks. I love the vision of them. I love everything about them, and I'm really excited about them. My gifts are not in administration at all. Uh, And my gifts certainly aren't in fundraising. The only way I know how to fundraise is to get on my knees and pray. And that's a very good and honourable thing to do. But equally, we need those practical people who are very gifted and talented in raising funds and coming up with ideas of how we can raise funds. And so, really, that's one example of where, actually, if I tried to do it, we wouldn't succeed. But somebody here this morning, I believe, is extremely gifted in that area. And maybe God is calling you to step into that. Alpha is something I absolutely love and adore to do. It's whenever I have the opportunity to do Alpha, my heart sings and my soul rejoices. I absolutely love it. Now, we've got three people who have specifically asked us if we're doing Alpha again anytime soon. I don't think I have the capacity to run Alpha this term, but I really want us as a church to do Alpha. So is God maybe calling you to run an Alpha course, maybe even just in your home, maybe very simply, to be part of that particular ministry. That's just two examples of where being the body of Christ means me working to make myself as redundant as possible, not because I have any intentions of going anywhere anytime soon, but because I think that we need to encourage opportunities for people to stand up and step forward in the things God has called them to. And so the values we're looking at this week are going to help us to unpack that a little bit more and see what we need to hold as values in order to help us to do that. And as I said, these are very introductory. As we mentioned last week, the values that we're laying out over the next few weeks are not coming in order of priority, of saying this is more important than this. Uh, Nothing is more important than what we said last week as being the people who are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But everything we do uh, flows from that. So these come in no order, but these are things that are going to help us, hopefully, to be the body of Christ. So if we can have... Now, uh, I did um, say that administration is not my gift. Therefore, I very rarely use PowerPoint. So if you spot mistakes, just bear with me. They will will be there, I'm sure. So our first uh, value for this week, we commit to reviewing regularly the things we're involved in, both individually and corporately, holding all things lightly. 
Now that may seem like a bit of an odd thing to have as a value, doesn't it? Uh, to hold things lightly, to, to review the things that we're involved in, both individually and corporately. But I think it's really important that as a church, we're always asking whether what we're doing is the thing that God still wants us to be doing. Whether we're involved in the right things at the right time, for the right reasons, for the right motives. In uh, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, the writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And the reason I've chosen that verse to go with that value is to say we want to make sure that our identity is never found in what we do, but is always found in Jesus Christ. He's always found in who he is and who we are in him. And as a result, we need to be willing to review regularly the things that we're involved in to ask, should I still be involved in this? It's uh, very well known, I'm sure, that uh, when people look into church growth and and church development and all those kind of things, what they recognise is that the church is very, very good at starting new ministries. And it's rubbish at stopping them. It's rubbish at stopping ministries when, when they've had their time, when they've reached the end of their life. And it's because we often don't review the things that we're doing and ask whether they're still fruitful in the way that they perhaps have been in the past. And one of the reasons that we struggle to do that is that we think that stopping a ministry of any kind will just look like failure, will look like we failed. Maybe we think that the community might think it looks failed. Maybe we may think that God thinks we failed. But stopping a ministry isn't necessarily a sign of failure, but failure is still something we fear. Which is why our second value, again, not in any particular order, is that we believe that it's okay to fail, so we will try. Failure is not a sin. It's not a sin to fail. And so we want to be a people who are willing to experiment with what God may be calling us to do. Take, for example the community pantry. We, we had this idea on a Monday morning and we thought, wouldn't it be nice if we could try this? We had no idea whether or not it would work, but we definitely felt like God was calling us to have a go and to try. And just look at what God is doing. It's remarkable how God is working through something that was just a holy experiment. We, we didn't map it out meticulously, we just gave it a go. But equally, there are things that we've tried this year that haven't worked. There are things we've had a go at, and they haven't been successful. And do you know what? That's okay as well. Like, for example, our first attempt at the building project for All Saints. We had what we thought was the perfect, the most beautiful design, and it failed. And that's okay. Because God had a better and a greater plan in its stead. In Psalm 37, it says, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. It's okay to fail, therefore we will try. And that's where being the body of Christ is so important as well, that we support one another if something doesn't work out, that we encourage one another for making the attempt. Thirdly, 
We will not discount ourselves or others when it comes to using the gifts uh, to serve others. Now, I don't think we are a community who particularly discount other people, but I know, because I know it's human nature, that we do discount ourselves all the time. We give so many reasons why we shouldn't be serving in any particular ministry. I've known so many people, not necessarily here, but who feel they're too old to be working with children and young people. But that's so not true. Uh, There are so many ministries that we could be involved in that we discount ourselves from because either we think we're too old, we're too maybe too busy, maybe we've done it before, maybe somebody else would do a better job than us at this. But it's important that we don't discount ourselves or other people from the things that God may be calling us to do. Because every one of us here has a part to play. Every one of us here is a member of the body which links uh, smoothly and seamlessly into uh, our fourth one, which is we eagerly desire all the spiritual gifts, giving voice to the prophetic. Uh, Now, that voice to the prophetic may, I think, actually eventually become a a separate value. I'm thinking about that at the moment and reflecting and praying on that. But the eagerly desiring of all gifts is a hugely important thing for us to do. Because if God is calling us to step into new things, into new ministries, or maybe he's calling us to change ministries if we're involved in something already, then we have to trust that he will also equip us for that. And that means we need to ask him for the gifts. They are gifts that are there that God freely gives, but sometimes, often, we don't find ourselves asking for them. There are certain gifts that we find are really attractive. Oh, I'd love the gift of healing, but I'm not so sure I'd like the gift of discerning of spirits. Maybe. But actually, we are called to desire eagerly all of the gifts. Which means I want to encourage you, even if you think you know what they are, to reread the list of gifts uh, in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, to rediscover what they are. There are others as well that aren't listed in there. Um, but you know, to just review those gifts, we will review them as a church, I'm sure, at some point in the year, thinking through what it means to desire them uh, together. And the fifth one has two parts to it. The fifth one we're looking at this morning... What we have is for the sake of others. Now this uh, has two parts, because we do benefit and we are blessed by one another. And that is true, that as a church we, we grow together, we, we benefit and from sharing in each other's gifts and the encouragement of others, and that's absolutely true. But we want to acknowledge that what we have is for the sake of others, and this has a part A and a part B. Part A is this. We acknowledge God's blessing and seek to be a blessing to others. Regardless of how you may think as a church, we are incredibly, incredibly blessed. Uh, You're sitting here this morning and and it's cold, and you may be moaning about the fact that it's cold, but think about what it's like normally in here. Now that's that's a very practical example of how blessed we are as a church. We are hugely, hugely blessed as a church. And sometimes it may feel like that blessing is obvious, and other times it, it doesn't, it's hard to see God's blessing. But we are incredibly blessed as a people. And we want to acknowledge that that blessing uh, is a blessing for others as well. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, uh, it says this, Finally, all of you, be like-minded. 
Be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay every blessing. Repay evil with blessing, sorry. Because of this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. Blessing is our job. Being a blessing to others is a calling of God and it's a duty and it's a joy to be so. And then part B is that what we have should benefit the lost, the broken, and the orphan, and the widow. In Deuteronomy, it says this, At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year, produce and store in them in your towns, so that the Levites, that's people who are on the outside, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the foreigners, the fatherless, the widows who live in your towns, may come and eat and be satisfied, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hands. Now, we're going to be exploring what this looks like uh, in the next few weeks, and, and I'm really playing around with this phrase. Uh, and so please bear with me if, if, you, if it kind of sits a bit wrong, we'll, we'll explore it or we'll wrestle with it. This is, a, this is one of those taking a risk, holy experiment things. But what I want to ensure is that the people in our community, the people who are lost and are broken and are hurting and in need of Jesus, are the people who get our first fruits as a church so that we're living off the scraps. Not because we're not worthy and not deserving of the goodness and greatness of what each another brings, but the, the picture I've got in my mind is the picture actually of the Alpha Supper. Hands up if you've ever done Alpha before, either on team or as a, as a volunteer. Now, Alpha always starts with an introductory week, and at the introductory week you have a meal, and you think you have a rough idea of the number, pe- number of people who may be coming. Let's say you're expecting 35, so you cater for 40. Uh, and then you've got your team as well, so maybe you cater for 45. And suddenly you find that 45 guests turn up. And what you find is that then the team are prepared to negate their meal so that the guests can eat. That, I think, is a good principle for us to live by as a church. That our community, the lost, the broken, the hurting, the orphan and the widow, are receiving our first fruits of our time, our energy, our efforts, our finances. That's why I think the the building of all saints is more for the community than it is for us. We won't really benefit from the development of all saints as a church. We will a bit. It will be a nice building for us to use for certain things. But actually, the whole focus is for the people who need a place that's safe for them to come and encounter Jesus. And so we want to ensure that what we have benefits the lost, the broken, the orphan, and the widow. I'm aware this is a lot of information uh, coming at you, and it doesn't feel like a sermon, I'm sure. But this is a, just an introduction to some of the values. And at the service last night, I thought they were beautifully summed up uh, in, in, a wor- in the words to a hymn. Uh, and this is verse 3 of a hymn called Go Forth and Tell, and it says this. Go forth and tell. The doors are open wide. Share God's good gifts. Let no one be denied. Live out your life as Christ your Lord shall choose. Your ransom powers for his soul glory use. What stunning words are they. Because what we acknowledge as the body of Christ, seeking to be people who seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, seeking to live out some of these values, is that he is the head. Jesus is the head. 
And as we said last week, the primary aim of seeking first the kingdom of God is to seek first of all to get to know the king better. And everything we do is a result of that, flows out of that, knowing that Jesus is king and Lord of all. So people of God, St. Mary's in 2020, go forth and tell the doors are open wide. Share God's good gifts, let no one be denied. Live out your life as Christ your Lord shall choose. Your ransom powers for his soul glory use. Amen. We're going to continue in response as we uh, sing, as uh, Steve comes to lead. So why don't we stand together? Uh, Last week we made a pledge together that we're going to be a people who seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Um, And I just want us to... um, uh, can we have the verse up again? Sorry, the you are the body of Christ, the first slide. Is that going to be a pain to... We're going to commit this verse to memory anyway, all of us, I'm sure. Um, let's get back to that first. We'll find it in a minute. <laughs> if it will let us go back. There we go. Uh, so I wondered if we could just look around at each other and just say uh, this word. Let's say it together looking at the screen first so we can know what it says. Uh, it says, you are the body of Christ. And every one of you members of it. And maybe now we can look at each other and say that. You are the body of Christ. And every one of you members of it.